Hello friends, not Jim Nance here, joining you for another edition of GG. Now of course it's Bill Rossetti joining you for Super Bowl 50 edition of the Gridiron Graduates. And joining me of course is the Phil Sims to my Jim Nance, but of course a lot better than Phil Sims, uh, if you ask a lot of people. Ian Warren, what's going on brother? Uh, things are good man, we're, uh, we're closing in on the final game. Obviously, it was Super Bowl 50, and so uh, that means it's prime draft season as well. And uh, always an interesting time of the year as we start to get families of prospects name-searching Twitter and prospects uh, name-searching themselves. And But it's also a good time of year to, to really recap what happened last year, especially as we have more time to go back, watch watch film, both college and, and NFL. So... Um, I love I love the football season, but I also like the off season as well, um, just because it's a chance to kind of catch up, go back, see what happened, um, formulate opinions for next year. Absolutely, yeah. That, that's hopefully one of my goals too after the season is to kind of go back and watch some of the games and uh, really dig in as we go through the draft and get to next season because certainly it's a long gap till uh, the new season especially after the Super Bowl because one of the worst periods in the football season is uh, those about three weeks between the end of the Super Bowl and the scouting combine but yeah I can't believe it man you know I've, I've said this a few times you know we started this podcast back in June it was about three months before the season you know, we were all excited to build up toward the season, previewing everything, but now here we are, just one game left. I mean, it's just crazy to believe that this weekend is the Super Bowl. Um, I, I guess I'm, I'm speechless. I can't. <laughs> I don't know how to how to put it. It's crazy that how fast time went and how fast the season went, but. Um, but before we get to the Super Bowl, I do want to mention a couple things because there's a couple bits of news today that I saw that I wanted to know. Uh, earlier today, it's uh, it's another day, another Johnny Manziel incident. Apparently, he was reportedly, uh, I guess, in an altercation with his girlfriend or something, and she claimed that he hit her and was going to kill her or something like that, but... Now we're getting reports that both the Dallas police and the Fort Worth police have closed their investigation and aren't charging Manziel. So looks like Manziel dodged another bu- bullet. But, you know, just the fact that these allegations have come out just continue to spiral for for Johnny Manziel. It, it, it's just amazing how... Like how... Uh, how do I want to say this? Like all, all these bad reports, this bad rap sheet that Manziel has built just in the last couple months, it seems, or just so recently. Um, and the report, excuse me, the report a few days ago that on March 9th, the first day of the league year, the Browns will cut Johnny Manziel only because. They, uh, they moved their unused cap from 2015 to 2016. So right now they don't have the cap room, so they're going to wait to 2016. So now it's a matter of 
can Manziel get his NFL career straightened out? And uh, will another team even bother to take a shot on him? Uh, what's your take on Johnny football? Yeah, so Johnny is, is I mean, it's really a shame. Um, I, I Honestly, I hope he just gets the help that he needs. He's clearly a very disturbed young man. Um, just a lot going on in his life. So it, it, interestingly enough, on field, well, he was one of my big uh, hits. And I was very strong with my opinion of him coming out of Texas A&M. You didn't have to go far. You had only asked very vague questions to know that he was not a good character coming out of college. I mean, I never understood the excuses for him. Like when people said, Oh, he, uh, he's just a kid. He's just a college kid doing college things. No, like his dad literally came out and said that he was an alcoholic before he was even drafted. Um, and he was a jerk and he didn't, he didn't even like hanging out with his own son. So, like, that stuff matters. That's why the stuff with, like, Connor Cook... Connor Cook is not nearly as bad as Johnny Manziel, but it's why teams put stock into character, and you should. Uh, if, you're, if you have an addictive personality, if you have an abusive personality, those things matter. Um, that's what NFL scouts are paid to really do nowadays. It's not necessarily just a, a talent evaluation. It's really background and character. Uh, work and, and you know it's unfortunate I really hope I really do hope he gets the help he needs I, I, I honestly don't think he'll ever play in the NFL again um, just because when he did play he wasn't very good there were a lot of major concerns on the field first and foremost then off the field obviously the the, the significance and the severity of what's come out or at least that's been you know allegedly happened um you know, I think that that could be a career killer. And, you know, hey, you make your bed and, and you lay in it and you deal with the consequences. He clearly is not in a state to really worry about football. Football is not a priority for him. And um, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's it's really something that's really – it's it's surprising how bad it's gotten. But um, – and it's unfortunate too. It's, uh, it's important. It's fortunate for fans because all I'm all I'm thinking of is if he would have stayed in college two more years, how fun of a player he was in college, how good he was in college. Um, so we all missed out on that. Even though I didn't like him as a as an NFL prospect, uh, he was a fantastic college player. So yeah. it's unfortunate. Hopefully, he gets the help he needs, and maybe we'll see him back on the field one day. But uh, like I said, I I have my doubts. And I just want to note, too, like, how you brought up the whole, like, he's just a college kid or whatever that people like to say. Well, that that kind of, that's a bit of a pet peeve of mine because normal 21-year-old college kids aren't the starting quarterback for a big-time Division One school. Normal college kids don't win the Heisman Trophy. So a guy like Johnny Manziel is going to be held to a higher standard than your quote-unquote average college student, um, and especially for someone going into the NFL. So, but, but yeah, it's just unfortunate to see how quickly this has spiraled out of control for him. Even if the charges have been dropped, 
this is still another black flag for him that's going to that's going to continue to follow him. Um and then another bit of news I saw today, it looks like a little bit a little bit more drama between the Eagles and DeMarco Murray as once again there was a report that DeMarco's not happy and potentially wants out of Philly, but then DeMarco apparently comes out and says he wants to stay in Philly. This is the second time this has happened. So, you know, it's like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. If it takes a second time now for something like this to happen. He's had to come out and say, you know, I want to stay in Philly after a report that he possibly wants out. I think deep down he probably wants out of Philly, you know, after what happened last year where he didn't carry the ball a lot for Chip Kelly, and even when he did, he wasn't all that successful. Now, he he could be successful under Doug Peterson. We don't know, but, you know, it, it just feels like if eventually these two are going to part ways, whether that's the Eagles eat all the dead money would take to cut him, or they find someone to trade him to for probably at best a sixth rounder because of his contract and how much money he's guaranteed. So I, I think ultimately something's going to happen because there just seems to be too much drama being stirred up with all these reports. And, you know, even if they move on, they could still, the Eagles can still roll with Ryan Matthews and, Sproles maybe draft a running back. Yeah, I mean it. It's one of those situations where you look at the fit, you look at what happened last year, and you say, okay, you know, I could see why they'd want to split ways. Um, I don't think it's nearly as dire of a situation as maybe some people think because. Um, I think he can. I think he's still a decent player. Like I think he. I think what happened last year was partially because of the offensive line he was playing behind, partially because of the scheme he was playing. There's things that you can do to make it work this year for them uh, under Doug Peterson. If Doug Peterson's a good coach, he should make it work. You know, you you don't need to put your guys into into square pegs when they're around. Uh, or that you know, if you don't need to fit into a square hole when you've got a round peg or whatever you want to say. I, I get what you're um, saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any way you want to look at it, dig yeah. it up. Um, you know, I I think that just being able to adjust your scheme to him is how you make it work. Because cause this, is, this is honestly what it boils down to. This is the only thing that matters. If they cut him this year, it's thirteen million dollars in dead cap. The Eagles actually lose $5 million in cap space. So they're not going to cut him. Not when it actually costs them money to cut him. Um, it's like now, last year at Riley Cooper. Everyone wanted him gone, but it was actually going to cost them more than it would have saved them. Right. It's That's never going to happen. You're never going to see that happen. They'll sooner make him inactive than cut him and actually lose money like that. But... If they trade him, if someone is crazy enough to trade him, whether it be for a six-round pick, conditional seventh-round pick, which is basically a free look at him besides a salary, um, 
the Eagles would save $4 million, and they would have $4 million still counting against their cap of the $8 million total. So I think if they trade him, that's probably the only way that they're going to get out of that contract this year. Um, next year, they can cut him for about the same price, um, $5 million in dead money, but they would open up $4 million. So I think it makes more sense just to hold on to him this year. He's not a bad player. He's not, ex- you know, he's not explosive, and you know, you can tell that physically he's just not quite the same guy. But he can still be productive. I think you enter next year with Ryan Matthews as your starter, and you use Murray as a backup, unless if you are willing to build the offense a little bit more uh, for him. So um, I, I, I'm bullish on him. I, I think that he's a good player. I would be really surprised, though, if they can dump him off just because it's even though it's not a great running back draft class, it is a fairly decent running back uh, free agency class. You have 24-year-old Lamar Miller, who's going to get a lot of money, um, and deservedly so. You've got Alfred Morris, um, Chris Ivory as another guy, Doug Martin, if he actually hits free agency. So those guys are studs, and... I think that you'd take them all over Murray. So, and I don't think that there's more than maybe four teams looking for a back. So if, if someone comes to them and says, Hey, take them off your hands, conditional seventh round pick. I think you just take it. I think you take it. Like you said, invest cheaply at running back, especially because this team, that's the one notable thing about the Eagles roster. They've been, handing out a couple of big extensions here. Um, and they look, they're good players, and they're working on a Fletcher Cox deal. It's going to be over six, uh, over nine figures. It's going to be a $100 million contract. Again, worth it. But they've got to save some money here somewhere, wherever possible, actually, uh, for them to, to continue to re-sign their impact guys. So maybe they do whatever it takes to make it worth it to, to dump Murray, not necessarily just for the talent aspect, but maybe for the money. Uh, that would make a lot of sense to me. I'm just checking up the Eagles cap at the moment, thanks to Over the Cap, NFL salary cap, player contracts, and related news and analysis. There's your uh, Super Bowl commercial from GG. (laughs) And I'm a huge user of uh, Over the Cap, so... Um, it's where oh, I get yeah. all, my, all my salary information. Sometimes I'll use Spotrack as well because Spotrack has a little bit different. I like their uh, the tracking tools and the the interface, but the over the cap calculator is fantastic. So yeah, I like the calculator too. Absolutely. And according to them, uh, well, they have them at about 140 million in cap space, and the rumor swirling around is that the cap's going to be about 153. So that saves about so that puts you at about 13 million in cap space. You also have to set aside about what six million for uh, draft picks. Yep. So they have a little bit of room to work with, um, but yeah, you mentioned Cox potentially getting a deal, so that might lower his cap number a bit, and then uh, we'll see what happens. So there's. A bit of notes, and certainly starting next week we'll have a lot more news and notes to talk about because that's about all we'll have to talk about. Um, but let's actually get to the final game of the regular season or of the uh, of the season period. 
Uh, I wish it was only the last game of the regular season. But it's Super Bowl 50. Um, and Ian had a good idea before the show that we go position by position. So I think we got a good bit of time here that we can go through all the positions and uh, talk about each team. And then I guess at the end of this, we'll make our official picks. Sounds good. So uh, I think we'll start at quarterback, obviously. And, uh, of course, the whole you know old school versus new school quarterback in uh, Cam Newton versus Peyton Manning. Um, you know, the stories. The whole time they've been talking, first time that two number one picks are going against each other. Uh, of course, both pair of SEC quarterbacks. Um, but it's it's an interesting matchup there because, you know, we, we all said Peyton was left for dead during the regular season. Comes back in week 17 against the Chargers. And, you know, I'll use Pete Smith's words. By the way, thanks again to Pete for coming on the show. Um, I'll use his words. It's like Lazarus. Lazarus rising from the dead, you know, with the way Peyton has really rebuilt himself over the last month, month or so. Um, so he's certainly playing well going into this game and the whole, you know, this could be his final game and people want to see him ride off into the sunset as a Super Bowl champion. Um, but there's just no denying the way Cam Newton has played, not just in the playoffs, but really all season long. He's obviously going to be named MVP come Saturday, and deservedly so. You know, not just because of the 15 and one, but just the way he's carried that team. Because without him, the Panthers are nowhere near, nowhere near this spot. Probably don't even make the playoffs with him. Right. So for me, the edge at quarterback here goes to the Panthers and Cam Newton. You know, both have been throwing strong, but obviously the legs of Cam Newton and the way he uses his legs gives the Panthers that little bit of an edge. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree. I mean, I don't even think that's really, um, I don't even think that's really a debate. You could really compare Cam Newton to anybody this year, and I think that you'd probably say Cam Newton uh, as the guy that you take. I honestly think he's been the best quarterback in the NFL this year. Um, and it's not so much that even he dramatically improved who he is. He's always been kind of kind of a variance passer. Um, he's always fairly inaccurate. I know that when I chart him, he's not going to be the most accurate quarterback. That's not his game. Uh, his game is big plays and extending plays and making better, making people around him better. He's a very good player. I mean, he's a great player. And, you know, I think that when you look at what he's done, is the timing of his plays is just better. I mean, it's, it's really just hard to describe, like, where he suddenly got better. It's just consistency. Um, not necessarily with mechanics or anything like that. It's just consistency of, of making the play. And I think that we all underrated a little bit the support around him this year and props to his coaches and the, the team there, like the front office, for doing a great job of building that roster. Um, 
uh, to the level that they could actually have that identity that they have now, that physical identity, that run first identity. Um, they're very creative with what they do, especially on offense. And I think that that really helps Newton too. And, and that's not a negative. It's not a negative that they help out Newton. Um, that's how a team works. So I agree with you here. I think that Newton certainly uh, gets the nod. So that's one check mark for the Panthers. By the way, quick, I, I want to throw in till we gave that shout out to Over the Calf. I want to give a shout out to Krispy Kreme Donuts. I had one, had a couple today because uh, we got a couple <laughs> boxes for a local school fundraiser. Oh, they are the best. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I love Krispy Kreme Donuts. I, I do, I do. I try to stay away from that as much as possible, but. I enjoy them in moderation. It's not like I eat them every day, but when you get a chance. (sighs) Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. They are delicious. (laughs) All right, let's let's move on before I get hungry for more donuts, even though there's a box sitting right next to me. Running backs. And to me, well, I'll I'll let you go first on this one. What what do you think on the running backs? So for Carolina, you've got um, Jonathan Stewart. Bozzie Whitaker, Mike Tolbert. Um, those are really probably the only guys you're going to see during the game. Cameron Artis Payne is the third stringer there, but I don't think you're going to see him in the Super Bowl. Probably mostly just see Stewart and Tolbert. Uh, for Denver, C.J. Anderson and Ronnie Hillman. Um, I'm going to go with the Panthers here as well. Although I like the, the duo of Hillman and Anderson, those two have been pretty productive. I was looking at their numbers earlier today. They've combined for almost 1,600 yards at 4.4 yards per carry this season. So they've been pretty pretty efficient. They haven't been dominant, but they've been good. Uh, Stewart, though, I think is very impressive. I think he's a very good back. I think he's been one of the better backs this season. And Mike Tolbert, he's, for as fat as he is, uh, he is incredibly effective as a fullback running back. So I like, and part of this is usage. I just, I like in this game, I'm going to give the edge to Carolina because I don't think Denver's going to be able to run the ball. And I don't think that that's any of the fault of the running backs. I just think the defense that they're going to be facing, um, as great as the Denver defense is, and we'll get into that. Um, I think that Carolina's just going to have an easier job running than the, uh, Broncos will. Yeah, and I'll agree. Like, I really like the way the Panthers have been running the ball. Um, you know, now that he's been pretty healthy the last couple of weeks, Stewart has run well. Uh, Tolbert has been one of the better fullbacks in a league where fullback is a dying breed. Uh, but Tolbert, you know, both in blocking and in carrying the ball, because he's still a good ball carrier, too. And we, we've seen that for years. Um Whitaker has carved out a nice role for himself. It's kind of a change of pace, third down back a little bit. And even Artis Payne sprinkled in there has, you know, he's had a solid rookie season. You know, we didn't see too much of him, but the opportunities he's had, he, he's done pretty well. Um, and, you know, it's like it's like you're saying, it's, you know, it's, it's not that Denver's defense or that Denver's running backs are bad, you know. Ronnie Hillman... And C.J. Anderson, Anderson bouncing back after he struggled throughout the season. But it just feels like the way 
the Panthers have been running the ball. They are, they're probably going to have the edge here. Um, so, so far, I think it's a two nothing Carolina. So I think as we, uh, we hit the receivers group, I think that's about to change. Um, Denver, so obviously, too, yep. uh, with the dynamic duo yep. of Demaris Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, uh, side note on this discussion, I would argue that Emmanuel Sanders is better than Demarius Thomas. Um, maybe that's a discussion for another day. Maybe that's a hot take. I don't even I know if that's a hot that, take. I can see that, though. I mean, you, you could argue that Sanders is more of an all-around receiver, yep. whereas Thomas is just kind of your deep threat, your nine route, maybe a couple other routes in there. But Sanders went healthy, and we, we saw when he was in Pittsburgh. When he's healthy, he's a very good receiver. You know, he's not a household name. But he can be a very good receiver when he's top notch, or when he's you know at or near 100. percent Yep, yep. If you want big plays and explosiveness, um, you know Demarius Thomas is very good, especially after the catch at creating. But I personally, I, I really like uh, Emmanuel Sanders' uh, route running ability. I love his. Exp- he's very explosive as well. He's very quick, um, but he's a different player. He's well rounded as far as his route running. Um, and he gets open very quickly, and then he creates um, with his quickness as opposed to Thomas, who plays with power and more just straight-line speed. So, uh, But I think this team is definitely better than what Carolina's got. Carolina, I, mean, I don't even really have to go past Sanders and Thomas. Uh, Owen Daniels has been good. Vernon Davis, he's old. He's not the same guy as he was, but he's still, he's still a talented player. Um, he's going to have to step up big time in this Super Bowl. I think either one of those two to help give a, that third option uh, to split the middle of that that vaunted defense that Carolina trots out there with all that speed and athleticism. Um, outside of those guys, I mean, the, you know, those are four good options. It's not as deep as years past, but it is a good unit overall, especially at the top. It's very top heavy, um, especially compared to Carolina. You got a couple of Buckeye legends and Corey Brown and Ted Ginn. Um, as much as I love those guys, along with you know, guys like Jericho Cotri, Devin Funches, I like Devin Funches, but my goodness, I mean, that's it's not really a, a strong wide receiver core mm-hmm. uh, for Carolina, and it's something that I think they continually they need to continue to invest in, uh, even if they get Calvin Benjamin back next year, full health. I still think they might need to add another talented player to that mix, but um, I think this is an easy decision. Even though Greg Olson is fantastic, top three tight end in the NFL right now, well, maybe top four. I'll say top four and play it safe. Um, top four tight end in the NFL right now. As good as he is, I just don't think they can compare to what Denver trots out there. Uh, I, I agree. And, you know, it's not really much of a question. You know, you, you take the the group of Demarius and Sanders um, and – They've gotten Benny Fowler involved a little bit, you know. It it, it just easily trounces what Carolina is going to put out there. I mean the the receiver, the Panthers receivers aren't bad, but they're also being made a lot better by Cam Newton. You know, we went in before the season, you know, not really talking about Corey Brown, Ted Ted Ginn's the ultimate boomer bust. You know, it's it, it's it's crazy that he's had the season that he had, 
but he's also dropped a lot of passes. You know, so he either gives you the big play or he gives you next to nothing. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. If we're talking wide receivers, and if, even if you're grouping the tight ends, Denver definitely gets the nod. I'll give t- Carolina the edge, obviously, in, uh, in tight ends with the pairing of Olsen and Ed Dixon over the pairing of uh, Owen Daniels and Vernon Davis. Although Owen Daniels, of course, still a sneaky good tight end. He's not he's not the flashy name, you know, like Gronkowski or the big name tight ends. You know, he's not as stud he's not as studly as he was a couple years ago, but he's still a solid tight end that uh, could be a bit of an X factor in this one. You know, if, if he can. Uh, if Peyton can look his way a couple times and he catches a few passes, he could help make this game interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be a really fun matchup between that Panther secondary and this uh, playmaker core for, for Denver because I, the pressure is really on them uh, to be able to go out there, create big plays because we know that Peyton's not going to have much time. One, he's not going to take time. He gets rid of the ball faster than anyone else in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that is by design because he doesn't want to get hit, and part of that is because his receivers generally get open very quickly. Um, so, you know, I think that that's going to be the X factor in this game. Can Demarius Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders just just actually just take over the game? They need one of those two, if not both, to be able to go out there and just create for themselves and. You know, that's a lot of pressure, and I don't know if it's possible, but that's really what they're going to end up needing. Because I, I don't think Denver's going to win this game unless if it's a like a 17-13 to 13 type of game. Mm-hmm. But, but, yeah, I mean, moving moving from the wide receivers to the offensive line, um, it's a really interesting one because Carolina has built their offensive line differently than most teams. Most teams you see get the tackles first, and then they worry about the interior later. Uh, it's not really what happened with Carolina. Now, Carolina got a little lucky. Um, Trey Turner, who's a fantastic guard, fell to the third round of the draft in 2014, despite having excellent film. I mean, he was a late first-rounder for me. Um, he's a very impressive player at LSU. Um, he ends up dropping because of some injury concerns, and obviously that hasn't you know, ended up being any type of issue so far. But they get one of the best right guards in football. Then they get Andrew Norwell from Ohio State. They've got a lot of Ohio State guys, but uh, from Ohio State, a left guard, undrafted free agent, which, honestly, watching him at Ohio State, I never really thought he was, like, a stud prospect or anything like that. I I thought he was, like, a late rounder. Um, He's fit in very well into their, their scheme and, what they do, and if they were throwing the ball more, I think that they'd have more issues with him. But they don't. They, you know, they're about 50-50 split, so that works. Um, obviously, Ryan Khalil is one of the top couple centers in the NFL as well. And they built that interior line, and then they've got Mike Remmers, uh, Michael O'Hare as tackles. Both of those guys are average at best as tackles, but again, they're they're not putting a lot of stress on them because they're. They're using chipping tight ends, and they're using uh, a heavy run balance to help 
neutralize their their struggles as pass blockers. So they're good offensive line overall. Um, you compare them to Denver. Denver's had some injuries. Got Ryan Harris at left tackle, and it's no longer um, Ryan Clady. Ryan Clady was obviously the stud of the group, even though he's he's no longer the guy that he used to be because of injuries. Um, but he was still a very very solid option when he was healthy. So you've got Ryan Harris, um, right tackle, Michael Schofield. I mean, those two guys are, are pretty well below average. Um, they're again the middle of their offensive line is stronger, similar to Carolina, but they're not nearly as strong as Carolina. Uh, Louis Vasquez and Evan Mathis are two very good guards. Even Mathis, as he's aged, he's been very good this season. Uh, struggled to start the year, but he's been excellent um, ever since the first like four or five weeks. And then uh, Matt Paradis at center. Um, I can't say I've paid too much attention to him, but I know he's not Matt Khalil's level. So, you know, it's it's not a bad offensive line, but I'd say it's a very average at best offensive line, which is, uh, again, I'm giving Carolina the nod there. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably have to agree. Um, just kind of looking position by position. You know, Khalil obviously gets the nod at center. Um Guards is a bit of a toss-up. You know, Mathis has played well for Denver. Uh, Philly continues to kick themselves for letting Mathis go. Um, Vasquez is decent for the Panthers. Turner, Turner, I think, was just in the Pro Bowl, wasn't he? Yeah. So, solid for him. He mentioned Norrell's not bad. I'm just impressed, though, with how well Michael Orr has played. You know, for a guy who was just downright terrible in Tennessee as a right tackle, comes to Carolina, gets put at left tackle. I remember all I was thinking was, this is a disaster waiting to happen. This is going to be a nightmare situation for the Panthers. But it's been nothing but, you know, he's been the, he's held his own. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I think I'll agree with you again here. I think Carolina gets the nod here on offensive line, which means, and I, you know, even before we did this, I kind of felt this, Carolina's the more balanced on offense anyway, and as we've gone through this, we're giving Carolina the overall edge on offense, you know, giving them the edge everywhere except receiver. Yep. So uh, we'll move on to defense, and uh, we'll start with the defensive line. Of course, you know, both these teams play different defenses, Denver in a 3-4, Carolina in a 4-3. But you look at Carolina's front line, which is just full of studs, especially on the interior with Star Lutulele and a guy who's really come on to his own this season, Kawan Short. Um. So it's really making that 2013 draft for Carolina look really good, taking a defensive tackle in both rounds one and two because, you know, again, you've got two studs there. And then uh, the hope for Carolina is that Jared Allen is able to play in the Super Bowl, which I think it sounds like he's going to be able to. 
and then you got Charles Johnson on the other on the other line. For Denver, they've got some good defensive and line D linemen themselves too. Derek Wolf just got that extension, has just played outstanding. Sly Ter- or, uh, Sly Williams, solid nose tackle. Malik Jackson, pretty good D end. Um. So this is close. Both teams, I think, have really good defensive lines. But I'm a fan of interior defensive play. Probably part of that is because I, I played defensive tackle in high school. So I like good defensive tackle play. That's why some of my favorite players are Geno Atkins and Aaron Donald. So I think because of that, I'm going to give the edge here to Carolina because of the way Lotulele has played, because of the way Short has played. I think those two can get after Peyton, um, you know, especially with a, uh, you know, so-so interior line for Denver. And if they can, it's going to be a long night for the Broncos. Yeah, I'm with you here. This is a tough one, especially because you're comparing two different fronts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to go with the Broncos here. In a very slightly, I like uh, I like Malik Jackson a lot. I like Derek Wolf. What they've been doing this postseason, um, and really that's nothing against Carolina. I mean they've got a fantastic defensive line as well. They don't really have that other very effective pass rusher um, across from Charles Johnson, so. With that in mind, I'm going to go with maybe the little bit, just slightly better um, defensive line with Denver. But like I said, you're really splitting hairs there. Yeah, absolutely. No. And again, the fact that we're comparing a uh, four-man front to a three-man front, so these two are going to get after you in different ways. Um, but you know, the advantage Denver has certainly is they have one of the better, if not one of the best defensive coordinators in uh, Wade Phillips. Not that Sean McDermott's done a bad job, you know, and I thought he was going to land a head coaching gig somewhere, but he didn't this year. Probably will next year, though. He's probably going to. This year, the hot candidate was Adam Gaze. Next year, it's probably going to be Sean McDermott. I hope so because he's done a he's done a phenomenal job and um, I, I'm really a big fan of his. I know that we talked about him earlier this off season. Um, I am surprised that he didn't get more attention uh, from a team. I think that he and Matt Patricia, the defensive coordinator from uh, from New England, mm-hmm. are two excellent head coaching prospects. Uh, so we'll move on to the linebackers now. Again, because of the different fronts, you're going to have a different number. Um, for the Panthers, of course, you've got Shaq Thompson or A.J. Klein, whoever lines up at Sam. Obviously, Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis, assuming he does play, which sounds like he's going to. I didn't see the injury report for today, well, on Thursday when we're reporting this. I know on Wednesday he was a full participant, which is great news. For the Broncos, you've got, of course, the dynamic duo at the two linebackers and Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware. And then you've got two underrated inside linebackers, in my opinion, and Brandon Marshall 
and Danny Trevathan. But I, I got to go with Carolina here just because Luke Keekley is arguably the best middle linebacker in the NFL. I mean, the way the way he flies around is just outstanding. And then Thomas Davis is the same way, you know. And again, I, I, I got to repeat this story. The fact that he's come back from so many torn ACLs to uh, to play at the level that he's played at. Um I mean, it's pretty close, you know, because of the Ware-Miller factor and the way they can get after the quarterback. But I think overall, Carolina has the edge here. But again, two different styles of plays because, um, you know, because of the three-man crew at linebacker versus a four-man crew. Yeah, if I were to count the edge rushers as defensive linemen I'd still pick the Broncos um, but then I would probably go Carolina I would definitely go Carolina with the linebackers um, but obviously that's not the case the edge rushers for Denver are linebackers I'm going to go with the Denver here and again it's just like the defensive line you're splitting hairs um, Danny Trevathan is very good but he is not Luke Keekley. however and it's nothing against Shaq Thompson or Thomas Davis. Those guys are great line, you know, have formed to be a very good unit, if not maybe, if not the best in the NFL, you're probably looking at top two in the NFL, um, when including uh, pass rushers, though, it's difficult. It's a little bit different overall conversation. So I'm going to go with Denver here just because DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller have been absolutely incredible this postseason so because of their dominance i think that they have a lot of pressure on them to to come out and and just be fantastic um in this post you know in this super bowl because again it's going to be points at a premium so they've got to keep the score down and it's really up to them uh to set the tone for the defense so I think I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with them. I'm gonna lean towards that way again. It's, it's nothing against that Carolina front. It's just what Von Miller and Ware have done to me is a little bit more impressive than uh, what Shaq Thompson and uh, Thomas Davis has done. But again, it's not really meant to be disrespectful to them because <laughs> we're again we're splitting hairs, man. Like these these two defenses are just just incredibly yeah. impressive. There's a reason these are, you know, the top two defenses in the NFL. They're they're just so good. So it's like, you know, you, you can make a case either way. It's almost like you have to pick. So, um, uh, then wrapping up the defense, we go to the secondary. Uh, Denver, of course, you've got T.J. Ward, Darian Stewart. Well, Darian Stewart's injured, but the thought is that he's going to play. Uh, Chris Harris and Bradley Roby and Akeem Talib. You know, I, well, Roby Roby mixes in as the nickelback. Harris and Talib as the corners. Carolina, you've got, uh, of course, 
Josh Norman, who was arguably the best corner throughout the season. Cortland Finnegan opposite him. And you'll see, probably see Robert McClain a little bit. And then you got uh, Roman Harper and Kurt Coleman at safeties. Uh, still surprising to see the way Kurt Coleman has played. Um, you know, he... And I guess I just say that just because he wasn't the greatest when he was in Philadelphia. But, uh, again, credit to Sean McDermott coaching up his guys. And that's why you're getting great play from guys like Coleman and Norman. Um, but I'm finally going to show Denver some love here uh, and give them the edge in the secondary. I mean, the combo of Tlaib and Harris is just absolutely outstanding. I mean, unless I miss something, because I, I know Chris Harris has been banged up, so unless I miss something, um, what, that there's a chance he won't, he's hurt or whatever. But as far as I know, he's playing. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So the combo of Tlaib and Harris is just outstanding. And then TJ Ward is still one of the more physical safeties in the league. So you put the three of them together, uh, and then Bradley Roby has played very well. He, uh, he had the interception on the two-point conversion that pretty much eliminated um, New England. Um, so that, that And that's going to make it make for an interesting matchup. And you mentioned earlier watching this Carolina second. Actually, let, let me flip that because oh, this is opposite. I'm sorry. Um, watching this Denver secondary against these uh, Carolina receivers, you know, going up against guys like Funchess and Cotri and guys like that. But, um, yeah, so secondary, I, I give the edge to the Broncos. I'm going to go with you here again. And so for me, this makes it a clean sweep across the defense uh, for the Broncos. Um, this secondary is insane. They have two legitimate number one cornerbacks in Bradley Roby and Akeep T- or not Akeep Talib, uh, Chris Harris. Akeep Talib's a high-end number two corner. Um, he fits that defense perfectly. Wade Phillips has done an amazing job uh, with this unit. T.J. Ward, um, he plays, again, a perfect role for him. They don't need him to be something he's not. Uh, because they have so much talent around him. He's literally probably the 10th best starter on that defense, which is insane. Because he's a good, and he's a good player. He's not a great player, but he's a, he's really good at what he does. And so that helps. And then Darian Stewart, um, they, they got some injuries. I know they're, they're backup safeties, but, um, it's a talented unit, man. Like it's, it's my favorite cornerback group in the NFL. And because of that, no offense to Carolina, as good as Josh Norman is, they're relying on a bunch of kind of average guys to make plays in that secondary. And they really excel because of the linebacker unit. And that defensive front is so good, too. So they're made better by the players in front of them. And the scheme, the scheme is very player-friendly, which it's a very good unit. But just can't go better than that that Denver unit. They're, they're simply the best in the NFL Should we talk about the uh, specialist too for the hell of it? Yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got uh, Britton Colquitt for the Broncos as the punter. Panthers punter is Brad Nortman. 
Uh, I'm not going to sit here and try to bullshit you guys and be like, oh, yeah, I analyze punters all the time. I don't know. <laughs> both, both punters are good. We'll, we'll call that a split. Um, kickers, unfortunately for Brandon McManus, uh, this isn't high altitude, uh, but he's still been a very good kicker. Um, but so is Graham Gano for the Panthers. Um, I'll say McManus for the hell of it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't really know what their stats are this year off the top of my head. Um, I'll go Gano, Graham Gano, just because I feel like he's a good kicker. But yeah. I think both are pretty good. I think both specialist teams are, are pretty strong. Um, it's hard to get to the Super Bowl with the bad special teams. Um, you know, these games come down to those critical plays. And although we didn't see that, this playoff run for Carolina, we did see it for in Denver. Um, especially for New England with Goskowski shockingly missed an extra point. Um, so sometimes it's just a matter of executing and doing your job. And I think these are pretty strong units. It hurts that Omar Bolden is hurt uh, for the Broncos for the kick return. But overall, I, I think these are two strong units. I'm going to give the edge to the, to the uh, Panthers overall because they also have Teddy Ginn in their back pocket yeah. to use as a kick returner. Yep. Yeah, Ted Ginn, a punt return, and then Whitaker's been pretty good uh, as a kick returner. So, and I, I don't know how you feel. I, wanted, I was just searching uh, Super Bowl prop bets, too. I brought up an article on SB Nation. So, if you want to do prop bets, too, real quick, before, um, I don't know if you want to do the scores first or if you want to do some prop bets. Yeah, sure. Should we do our scores quick first? Yeah, sure. All right, so our, we'll make our official Gridiron Graduates Super Bowl pick. For me, I will go, and and I agree with you, like what you said earlier, Denver, they have to keep this a score low-scoring game uh, to win this game. Because, you know, even with how Peyton has played lately, I don't know if they're going to have the high-powered offense to keep up with Carolina if Carolina's offense can get going. If Carolina can get into the high 20s or 30s, Denver's in trouble. If Car- if Denver can hold them to low 20s, high teens, something like that, then they've got a shot. But I'm going to go with, I'll say Carolina 27, Denver 20. Yeah, just it's a, I know it sounds like a made-up score, but no, no, I can definitely see that. We'll, we'll go, with, we'll case. go with that. Twenty-seven, twenty, Carolina. Yeah, and I think that for Denver to win this, they've got to score at least twenty-seven points. I think that's the number, and they only scored more than that, or more than I think like twenty-five, like three times all season, I believe. Or no, I think it was the other way around. Carolina scored less than like twenty-five, I think, like three times all season if I remember correctly. So I don't – I just don't think it's likely. And as good as Denver's defense is, and obviously we covered it, it's amazing. I still just think it's going to be difficult because Cam is playing so well, and they're they're just a a difficult team to to defend against because they change their running style so, so well. And they like to attack different spots each week. 
um, from the running game, and they change the look of the handoff, where it's actually being handed off at. And it's minor things like that, but it makes it very difficult to coach against and to execute against because one small mistake, and you're giving up seven or more yards, and all of a sudden then, if you put Cam Newton in a short-yarded situation, he is extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. He can take off running himself. He can go deep. Um, he likes to go deep and then you know try to just convert the first down on the next play when he can, and he's so good at it. Um, I'm going to go Carolina 20-24, Denver 14. And it's not... I think it'll be a pretty close game throughout most of the game, though. Um, but Carolina wins wins fairly comfortably. There you go. We both have the Panthers winning. Uh, Cam Newton kind of completing his rise to the top of the NFL. So if, if we're right, it's going to be quite the weekend for uh, Cam Newton. He'll likely get the MVP on Saturday, and then hoist the Lombardi Trophy on Sunday. Um, so with that, I think we'll close with a little bit of fun here. I think we'll do some prop bets. That sounds fun. Because um, it's always, I mean, I've never like actually done prop bets, but <laughs> figured here on the podcast, what the hell, right? Uh, so I'm looking at this article on SB Nation, and I have their link to the post on Odd Sharks. So I'll just pick a couple fun prop bets, just uh, just for fun. So we'll start with the coin toss, uh, heads or tails. Um, the odds apparently are both the same price at minus 105. Shocker, 50 <laughs> for a coin flip. I'll go tails because tails never fails. <laughs> um, I'll go heads. Okay. <laughs> Lady Gaga is singing the national anthem, which I'm actually. I. Th- this may sound bad, but I'm more excited about the national anthem with Lady Gaga than I am the halftime show with Coldplay. I am with you. I am not at all a Coldplay fan. I'm actually not a Beyonce fan either. Um, so I think that Lady Gaga is very talented. She did a great job on American Horror Story this latest season. Um, big fan of her. I think she'll go over, by the way, on this prop bet, because I'm pretty sure I know what this prop bet is. Yeah, the, uh, the prop bet, of course, is the length of time that she will sing the national anthem and the sports books have it set at two minutes and twenty seconds. Um, the note they have though is only one of the last ten Super Bowl anthem lengths has gone over two ten, and that was when Alicia Keys went two thirty five at Super Bowl forty seven. Hmm. But Lady Gaga also certainly has the potential to drag it out just because she's Lady Gaga. So I'll I'll go over as well just for the hell of it. Yeah, why not? We'll go over two twenty. Um, and I, I'll just note too, like it seems like she gets a lot of hate, which I I don't understand. Like she's a very talented singer, and I'm a, I'm a fan of some of her songs. Like, oh yeah, 
she's not the same person she was when she came out. No, absolutely not. I mean, not. she's a way different person. Like she, she does a lot of different um, avenues. I mean, she was doing a, a jazz concert uh, tour with uh, the big time jazz guy. I'm not really into jazz, but like, it just it's hard. you can't help but respect her. Um, she's a really good actress too, and just her talent. I, I just even if you don't like her music. It's just not fair to not respect her uh, yeah. for the work that she does. And like I'm a fan of you know songs like Alejandro and Paparazzi. Yeah, she, she makes catchy music. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What else do we got? Uh, what color will Beyonce's footwear be when she comes out on stage? Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Black is the favorite at plus one fifty. Gold slash brown is plus two fifty. White plus three hundred. Silver gray plus five hundred. Any other colors at plus five hundred. I was thinking gold when you had said that, so I'll go with gold. I'll go with white. Uh, just for the hell of it. <laughs> <laughs> What's this? During the broadcast of the game, prop betters will have plenty of things for which to watch and listen. Will Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, or Bernie Sanders be mentioned during the broadcast? No is the minus 300 favorite, but a mention of any of these presidential candidates would pay plus 200. Wow. I think I'm going to go with no here. I don't – if it was the Patriots, I think that they'd probably mention Trump. Um, I'm going to go with no here, though. I just don't see how that bring, gets brought up in the conversation. Yeah, not not – in a game like this, yeah, we we we're we're tired of politics already. Um, we've already had the Iowa caucus, so let's let them settle down a little bit and let them focus on New Hampshire. What's this? Other broadcast lines include how many times John Fox will be mentioned. The over under line is set at one. Um, I'll say over. You know, I'll say uh, I actually would like to go push here, but I'm gonna go under. Okay. I, although I do think that they'll mention him once. Once I think that they need to mention that Kubiak's in his first year, um, replacing John Fox. I do think that'll be said, but I'm not, I'm not going to say it's going to go over. So I'll, I'll yeah. go under. Um, and for those, of course, needing to catch up, this has kind of been dubbed the John Fox Bowl because these are the two teams John Fox took to the Super Bowl, losing both times. Um. Over under one and a half times Archie Manning will be shown. Um, I'll say under. I'll go over. Um, in the unlikely event that the the Broncos do win, they're going to show him, I'm sure, at the start of the game, uh, or That's at least point, early. Yeah. And then if if Denver wins, or even if it's to that point where it's a blowout, I think that they'll they'll take a quick look to him. They'll, yeah. They're going to show sad Peyton, and then they're going to show sad Eli, <laughs> or sad uh, sad Eli and sad Archie. <laughs> <laughs> the, the ultimate Manning face. And hopefully we get to replace that stupid stupid Jordan crying face. Yeah, with, that, with, that's that's run its course. I, I wouldn't mind it being replaced with like sad Eli or sad Peyton face, because <laughs> I really hate this crying Jordan face. It's not it's not funny. Yeah, it, it it's gotten old pretty quick. Um, and then over under two and a half times that John Elway will be shown. Oh, it's gotta be over. I'll say over. Yeah, yeah it's gotta be over. 
post-game prop bets include... Well, before we get to that, we'll do a couple more that I'm seeing on here. Uh, first scoring play. What do you think it's going to be? I'm going to say a touchdown. Even, I'm going to go field goal. I could really have good. Molden said safety, but... <laughs> it's Those ones are always attractive because of the, the money lines on oh, them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I'm going to go field goal just because these defenses are so good. By the way, if you do choose a safety on Odds Shark, either by either team, it's plus thirty three hundred. Wow, is the money line? Yeah. It's not bad to just even throw down ten bucks. And this touchdown, um, Scott, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, if you throw down ten bucks and you get three hundred thirty bucks, yeah. I and mean, if you're gonna be throwing down money anyways, put like a hundred dollars total. That's worth ten dollars just for just yeah, for the chance. Absolutely. Because if if somehow. Let's say that the uh, 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 shoot if the Broncos are backed up against their goal line for whatever reason, Payton's not going to be able to move. So <laughs> we saw it two years ago against the Seahawks. Yeah, like I don't think Cam has a chance of being safety, but Payton certainly does. So you never know. Mm-hmm. Then they have first touchdown scorer. That'll be interesting. I I think Cam will probably score the first touchdown. Yeah, that's, it'll that's either be Cam or be someone random. He's obviously the favorite at plus seven hundred. Peyton Manning is plus five thousand. <laughs> oh wow. Uh, we already said first scoring odds to win MVP. I think Cam's gonna get Super Bowl MVP here. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. A I mean, lot it's, of the it's, money it's just... lines aren't bad, though. Luke Keekley is plus 1,400. It's just hard. It's hard when, like, your team wins for it to not be the quarterback. So, yeah. if you're going to bet money on it, um, put a lot down on the quarterbacks that you think is going to win, and then maybe hedge your bet with, like, a second guy like Keekley. Keekley wouldn't be a bad option. Um, maybe put down, like, 10, 10 bucks or so because... You know, in the unlikely event that it happens, at least you're getting a nice payoff to make the risk worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, here we go. Exotic props. I know I'm running along with this, but it's Super Bowl. We're having fun, right? Because uh, I found these exotic ones. These are fun. Hmm. Um, <laughs> this is a funny one. Will Left Shark make an appearance on stage during the halftime show? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say no. Um, well, this is an interesting one. If you if you bet yes, it's plus 2,000. Will Denver win the Super Bowl? Peyton Manning retires. San Antonio wins the NBA championship, and Tim Duncan retires. Jeez. I mean, I would need much better odds than plus 2,000. Um, quite frankly, I would probably need, like, plus... 5,000. Um, no. Yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> I don't think the Spurs are going to win. Warriors are going to repeat. Yeah, I think either the Cavs or the Warriors win it all. I don't think the Spurs win it all. Yeah. So, And I don't think, I certainly don't think the Broncos are going to win. Like, it wouldn't shock me if they won, but I just don't think that they will. And then, what's this, the post-game props? What color will the liquid be that is poured on the winning coach? <laughs> so what color will the Gatorade map be, I guess? I'm going to go with uh, blue, light blue. 
I, I think blue's a good color, too. Blue, blue Gatorade's always good, by the way. Orange is the favorite. Mm. And then what's this? Who will the Super Bowl MVP mention first? The co-favorites are his team and God. Oh. God's oh. an attractive pick. People love to be like, I just want to thank God and my teammates. They always say God first. Does it have family or mom? It just says with co-favorites of team and God. Mm. Well, if those are my only two choices, I mean... I'm sorry. Oh, well, here's the whole thing. I'm sorry, because I found it on the, the site. Team and God are plus 200. City slash fans plus 600. Coach plus 750. Family plus 1500. I'm going to go family. Because if Cam wins it, I think he's going to thank his mom. I don't know why. I just I feel like he's going to say like something like, I love you, Mom. Yeah. And then start getting everything in there. So if that counts. That would... All right, friends. After that little mishap, let's jump back into this quick and kind of wrap things up to kind of tie up the loose ends there, so to speak. But... Uh, so Ian is picking family because you said um, Cam's probably going to mention his mom and if he wins MVP. Yep, that is uh, what I would go with. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to go with God just because of a uh, just because it seems so attractive. Uh, I, I don't know, it's just so tempting. But uh, yeah. It's that uh, I think that's a good way to wrap things up here with all those fun prop bets. Yeah, it's hard to believe we just finished up our final show of the season. You know, by the time we come back next week, we'll be in the off season, uh, getting ready for the scouting combine, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's where a lot of guys are going to make their millions and. Um overreactions are sure to come so it's, it's really oh, yeah. the best time of the year for the hot takes that ensue confirmation bias will be flying especially on a guy like Braxton Miller but that's a story for another day so uh yeah that's it I guess <laughs> yeah no man this is going to be a fun weekend I'm, I'm really excited for the Super Bowl because I, I don't really care who wins. I I kind of hope Cam wins just because I like him a lot. Um, but overall, I mean, I don't have any rooting interest outside of individual players that I like, and I like a lot of players on both teams, but yeah. um, just looking forward to a good game. And I think it's certainly going to quiet a lot of the haters of Cam Newton if he wins this game. You know, I, I know people that, you know, just from stuff like off the field or things that he said kind of rubbed them the wrong way against cam but you know i don't i don't have a problem with cam or what he does you know if he's a little cocky right now well he's kind of earned that right i mean last i checked the panthers are 17 and 1 um but if the broncos win then that's great too because then that means peyton manning can ride off into the sunset so either way, it's going to be a fun time. So enjoy the game, Ian. Uh, 
enjoy, if you're going to party or whatever you're going to do during the game. Yeah, no, I'll just be at my uh, my mom's house, and we're just going to eat some barbecue and enjoy the game. Hey, and, of course, enjoy the commercials, too. Yep. Oh, yeah, definitely. I actually do like that. Doritos, got to come up big again. I'm, I'm counting on you, Doritos. <laughs> uh, and to all you listeners out there, uh, I, I just want to say thanks so much to all you listeners out there that have supported us throughout the season. Um it, it it's really been amazing, you know. Again, back in June, I was excited to get started with Ian because I knew I really wanted to do a podcast with him. You know, obviously a good friend of mine. So I'm glad that we've been able to do this and that we've, I guess we can say officially, have ended our first NFL season together as uh, podcast partners. So uh, thanks to you listeners out there and Ian. And big thanks to you for uh, joining me on this project. It's really been a blast these last few months with you. Uh, of course, man. It's been my pleasure. And uh, look forward to move, working uh, here moving forward with you as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, looking forward to talking draft with you and all kinds of good stuff. And before we know it, it'll be the 2016 season. We'll be doing this all over again. Um, and again, to you listeners out there, thanks so much. Uh, enjoy the game. Be safe. Uh, just have fun this weekend. Uh, and by the time we catch you next week, we'll be in, uh, well, I shouldn't say off-season mode. We'll just say non-playing season mode. Because uh, certainly a lot to talk about. So it's still going to be a fun ride. But uh, enjoy the game. And for Ian Wharton, I'm Bill Rossetti. For the last time this season, take care, everybody. We'll see you next time for the first off-season edition of the Gridiron Graduates. Until then, take care, my friends.